0: And welcome to another episode of Reconnect. This is your OCC, and I'm here today as usual with
1: Ray and this is
2: TJ. Welcome back, guys.
0: <laughs> okay, welcome back, guys. Ray and TJ. This is Happy to be back. a pleasure to gather together and to really be able to talk about the Bible. I think this is my favorite moment of the week. Mm. Being able to gather. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being able to, to gather all together and really try to help each other to better our life of faith and really mm. grow into the relationship that uh, we have with God. I think mm-hmm. this is a huge blessing. So it's yeah. always a pleasure <laughs> to be here.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this is your highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Being here with us. <laughs> no, but thank you for that
2: reminder. It mm. is a pleasure and a blessing to do this. And today is Sunday. It's yeah. Yeah. Day. Yes.
0: Happy Sunday, so, everyone. That is <laughs> to us.
2: So, see what is the subject that we will be dealing with today?
0: The subject that we will be diving into today came about in a very funny way, if I can put it that way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm saying a lot of way because this is how we <laughs> happen. <laughs> a few days ago, I came across one quote that I found when I was on the internet and the quote was, the truth may hurt for a little while. But a lie hurts forever. And when I came across that quote, it made me think because it helped me to reevaluate and really think deeper regarding the value of what is truth mm. compared to a lie. Mm. And mm. how it is important for us, for every human to know the truth. Because we all want to have that truth around us, whether we are in the relationship with anyone, friend or whatever, truth is very important. Nobody like to be lied to right so yes this quote made me think more deeper regarding the value of truth and right at that time, we received a question from one of our listeners hmm. who was also wondering, what is a lie according to the standard of the Bible? It's
1: oh. mm.
2: a good question. It's wonderful to see these uh, timings come together. <laughs> yeah. I, can...
0: <laughs> I was really like, oh, wow. Like my heart and the heart of the listener are very connected, kind of. Okay. I felt that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> so we're, we're going to be talking about truth. Yeah. And lie according yeah. to the standard of the bible
0: exactly our listener wants to know what is a lie according to the standard of the bible but in order to answer that question it is really essential to understand first what is truth because based on that we can set a right definition of what is lie and mm-hmm. being yeah. able as well to distinguish mm. so mm. that will be the subject today what is truth? all right
2: that's a great premise let's get right into it then
0: The subject of today is what is truth? Mm. So let me ask you very boldly, what is (laughs) truth?
2: And this takes me back to one of the previous episodes we did. What does it mean to be holy? Uh And we discussed truth a little bit, where we defined holy to be in a state without sin. And in order to become holy, we had to do it through the truth. Mm. We found this in John chapter 17, verse 17, where Jesus prays to God, Or the disciples and the people who will believe in Jesus through the disciples. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus defines here that truth is God's word. And Mm. simply, that is the answer. (laughs) Really? (laughs) If it were that simple. End of podcast. End of podcast, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. But no, let's take one step further
1: and ask the next question. Mm. Why is God's word truth? No, that's a good question. I I think it's a question that a lot of Christians don't think about. Like I certainly didn't growing Mm. up. But I think one reason is, to be honest, God is very old, right? He's. he's...
2: (laughs) This
0: is my first time hearing (laughs) that. What
1: what are you saying? What are you saying? We don't question God is truth because he's old? No, no. Okay, let me elaborate a little bit more, right? Mm. So God is a lot older than the sums of our ages put together or anyone living on the planet right now. To say the least. Yes. (laughs) Yes. To say the least he's creator. Mm -hmm. So as creator, he's been around since the very beginning and he's gotten his hands dirty, so to speak with creating life. Right. But also as creator, he's in a very unique position because he alone has been able to witness everything That's happened from the very beginning. I mean, everything. Why is being a witness to something important? Well, we can connect it to our own legal systems and the various countries where we come from, right? So think about a courtroom setting. You have a judge, you have a jury, you have a prosecutor, a defender, right? A witness is crucial for a court setting because a witness can testify. They can give testimony to what they've seen, and what they've heard. And their testimony can validate whether something is true or whether something is false. And it's the same way with God. Since he's creator and he's been here from the very beginning and he's seen everything, he is Mm -hmm. the ultimate witness. So he Mm -hmm. can give testimony, he alone, Mm -hmm. to what he's seen and what he's heard. And since it's been everything as creator, that's a pretty good reason to believe that he's truthful, that he is truth. That's a very good point, but it's...
2: Half an answer to the question Mm, Because of this And you brought up the legal case uh, right? (laughs) Legal court case When you have witnesses And you bring them to the stand Mm. We know very well that They don't have to tell the truth Mm. They have the option Of lying Despite knowing the truth They may have witnessed it But as we say in legal terms They can perjure themselves
1: Mm. They can lie
2: And the same thing can be said about God How do we know that God will always tell the truth despite being in that unique position where he is the ultimate witness to all?
0: Wow, wow. How do we know?
2: How can we have confidence that he will be truthful in everything that he tells us? And that's a question that we have to think about very deeply.
0: Mm. Most of us as Christian, the Mm -hmm. reason of things within the Bible, Mm -hmm. but God made us with like a brain to think, Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. try to understand the why of things. What is behind what is written? This is the reason why we have a brain and having those thought-provoking questions is really good to stimulate more like our mm-hmm. faith and really like push us.
2: I mean, you know how we always say as Christians that we pursue a relationship with God? Mm. And when you're talking about a relationship, it also comes with it, a depth. Yeah. How deep is your relationship? And the depth of your relationship can be measured by how much you know the person intimately and in Mm. detail. The Bible is God's story, his words. If we just read it and take it for face value without thinking about why he wrote it and why these things have been recorded the way they are, then are we truly making an attempt to deepen our relationship with God as Christians? This is where these critical and thought-provoking questions come to really help us and be beneficial to our faith. We should always keep questioning. And I think God wants us to as well, Mm. Mm. but returning to how we can trust God. He's in a unique position as Ray said, Mm. because he's the ultimate witness. I like that term, Mm. (laughs) ultimate ultimate witness. And as Christians, we say we believe in God, but let's think about it. When we say we believe in someone, we have to have our reasons. It's not blind belief or blind faith. What are the reasons we are able to trust that God will be truthful? The answer Mm. to that is God will always keep his promises. Let's say you have a friend and he promises you (laughs) 10 things and he only keeps three of it. Is this friend named Ray? (laughs) Oh. Okay, so I guess, Ray, we can rule you out as not being God because you don't keep all your promises. Uh, Sorry, continue, continue. You know, even relationships with people, if you only keep three promises, Ray, out of 10, Mm. how can we trust you? That's fair, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can only trust you 30% of the time. Yeah, it's not a very good average, yeah. Regardless of your intention on the other 70%, the result is that you're not telling the truth 70% of the time. Because you have not kept your word 70% of the time. You are deemed unreliable by many people. Mm. And the reason I bring this up is simple. God is one that promises and keeps all of his words. In the Bible, we have things called prophecies. And simply put, these are promises and plans that God says he will keep. These aren't individual promises that you think you uh, may have received from God in your individual prayers. but promises that have been recorded in the Bible through the prophets, God says he will keep every single one of them. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, God swears that everything he plans will come to happen. He's the creator and he says he swears that this will happen. That's how serious he is when it comes to fulfilling his word. And if he does fulfill 100% of everything that he has said, doesn't that make him the most reliable person ever. That's why Definitely. we don't say God is reliable. He's beyond that. We yeah. say that he is faithful mm. and we can put our confidence in God. You know, we have all these songs and hymns regarding God's faithfulness. And wow. if you
1: hadn't known before, this is the reason why. It reminds me of 2 Timothy 2.13. Mm-hmm. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Well, that's deep. Mm. Mm. God is the ultimate witness okay, because
2: he's the creator. He has mm-hmm. created all, seen all, and therefore is the witness. And on top of that, he gives us confidence that he will be truthful all the time by showing that he keeps every word that he has spoken.
0: Mm. I'm convinced, <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so can mm-hmm. you guys give us like some example within the Bible where we can see how God prophesies and how he mm-hmm. actually like, keep his promise?
1: A really simple one is one that you've probably heard in Bible school, if you have a similar background to myself. In Genesis chapter 18, we have God who makes a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And just a little bit of background, Abraham and Sarah are pretty old. And here I am mentioning someone being old
0: yeah, again. Yeah, old again. dig
1: <laughs> they, they were a very old age, and they had been together for a long time, but they had no child. And here God comes to them, and he says that... Sarah will be with child. He promises a son to Abraham and Sarah. Now keep in mind, they are, Sarah is like beyond childbearing age, actually, physically. So it seems like something that's completely impossible. It's something that definitely surprised Abraham. Sarah, in chapter 18, she actually laughs to herself. God promises this and she's laughing to herself. And of course, God calls her out on it. This is just a quick example of God being merciful because you would normally think in that situation that it'd be like, boom. (laughs) <laughs> Strike her down, but no, he doesn't. And <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> but instead, God
2: told Sarah and Abraham to name the son Isaac. Mm. Yes, so that Sarah will be
1: reminded that she did laugh when God promised, but that's right. Told, mm. Mm, mm, thank you for that. Yeah, mm. so we have this situation that physically seems impossible. Mm. Someone of grandma and grandpa age, you know, conceiving a child, it seems totally impossible. But if we go further to Genesis chapter 21, we have the birth of Isaac. Mm -hmm. So it's something that seems impossible to anyone on the outside. But and says in in chapter 21 that Abraham was 100 years old when Sarah gave birth to Isaac. That's really phenomenal. But it's something that was very easy for God to do. And he promised it. And as uh, TJ said, he keeps his word. To the letter, he fulfilled it. That's a good example. I have another one. The biggest promise that God made in the Bible,
2: I would say, is the promise of Jesus. Mm. That Jesus would come. The Messiah would come. And there are hundreds of prophecies pertaining to how Jesus will come and what he will do when he arrives. And I want to talk about how he will be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it states where the Messiah should be born. And it's in Bethlehem. But the thing is, when... Mary was pregnant and near labor. She was nowhere near Bethlehem. So for the sake of comfort, why can't they just have given birth in Nazareth? Because God spoke that the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem. What happens next is, suddenly out of nowhere, the Roman Empire orders a census. And Joseph and Mary have to go to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is the hometown of Joseph. And God fulfills his plan this way. In spite of Mary being Almost due, She rides the donkey all the way there (laughs) from there to Bethlehem. And this is how we know that God is very serious about keeping all his plans. He went through all that trouble to fulfill that promise. And as Mm. I said, there are hundreds and all of them have been kept.
0: I guess for the people that are like listening right now, there are now 100, 120 (laughs) percent, 200 percent convinced now. (laughs) <laughs> about like prophecies and fulfillment, how God is always prophesizing and how he's mm. always fulfilling and working toward mm. the fulfillment of that promise. And this is because of all those reasons that we can say confidently that God is truth and that the word of God is also truth.
2: Wrapped up nicely.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so now that we have an understanding of what is truth, now we can define what is a lie, right?
2: what is a lie what is a lie guys what is a lie well we can understand what a lie is by understanding what truth is Mm. because essentially they're very opposite things okay it's like light and darkness they Mm. cannot be reconciled and what was truth it was god and it was god's word then what is a lie Anything that is not of God and that is not pertaining to God's word is a lie. So it's quite simple in definition, actually, to understand what a lie is. But what are the applications of this? We have to be able to understand and discern, also recognize what a lie is within the Bible. Because God Mm -hmm. does not simply tell us what a lie is. He gives us so many cases and accounts of what lies have been told in the Bible. For us to see, I think the perfect example is to look at the first lie. Ooh, going back. And Ray, Ooh. because you spoke about this story so well <laughs> in our last episode about the
1: Garden of Eden, why don't you take us to the first example? Sure. The example I actually want to use is when the serpent is talking to Eve. A little bit of background here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God lays on the guidelines, his commands for Adam and yes. Eve within the Garden of Eden. And he says, you're free to eat from any tree you want to. But you cannot eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, so we have that in mind. Okay, Adam and Eve are aware of this. Let's look in chapter three, verses one to five. So Satan asks Eve, what did God say to you concerning this tree? Eve responds with, well, he says, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent responds with, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice here how the serpent preys upon Eve's own desire, talking to her in a way that's very sweet, something that she wants to hear. Right? Mm -hmm. So imagine if we were in Eve's position, it could be something like, oh, really? Oh, God said you, you can't eat from this tree? Oh, no, God wouldn't do that. Come on. That's God. He loves you. He wants you to live. Come on. He would never do that. Come on, girl, eat from this fruit. Come on. Try a little bit. (laughs) Eat a little bit. So it's really when we think about it that way, twisting God's words in such a way that's exactly what Eve wants to hear. And so it probably was very easy for her to take a bite of that and then share it with Adam. So that's just one example of the serpent, like, twisting God's words, right? Yeah, well, but, you know, Ray, it's it's difficult to take
2: the serpent seriously.
1: Uh, <laughs> even the voice that you acted out. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to, like, see how it might sound if, if we were there, but okay. All right, maybe but, I w- you know, maybe I went a bit too far. No, no, it was good. <laughs> but
0: you know, right, while I was listening to mm. you, there is one thing that really stood out hearing the speech of the serpent. Because on one side in Genesis 2, we have God say, you will surely die. Mm. And the serpent, when he approaches, if what he said is, you will not surely die. So it's like we have basically the perfect example of the opposite sentence.
1: Mm-hmm. put together. Oh, yeah, definitely. So definitely. we have
0: God who said, you will. And Mm -hmm. the serpent, you will not. So Mm. I guess this is like the perfect example of what is true and what is lie and how they contrast and oppose each other, right?
1: Yeah, it's a good example, but I have another one for you. That's a bit more subtle. Luke chapter 4. And I want to look at verses from verse 9 to 12. Mm -hmm. Okay, A little background here is that this is where Satan's tempting or attempting to rather, Mm -hmm. to tempt Jesus in the desert. In verse 9, it says the devil led him to Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Now, I really want you to pay attention to this in verses 10 and 11. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, the reason why I want us to pay a lot of attention to this is that this isn't him thinking of something of his own to try to deceive Jesus. Right. This is actually directly from Scripture, Mm. in particular, this Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. Here we have Satan taking Scripture, God's word, out of context in trying to Mm. use it in a way to deceive Jesus. But what's really interesting here is how Jesus responds in verse 12. He says, Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 16 here. So we have in these two examples here, Mm -hmm. two different examples of a lie, right? In the case of the serpent, twisting God's word and and saying something that sounds very sweet and appealing to Eve. And then here with Satan trying to deceive Jesus, taking God's word and manipulating it, taking it out of context. The takeaway here, especially with this this, uh, account in Luke 4, is that a lie can come in Mm -hmm. many forms. And in this case, it's coming in the form of God's word, just like Mm -hmm. Satan here testing Jesus. For someone who doesn't know the word very well, doesn't have that level of understanding, it might seem like it's truth. But we know from the way Jesus responds that it's not. I think the lesson here in Luke 4 is
2: the fact that just because you quote God's word, it doesn't necessarily make it truth. You can take it out of context. That's right. Use it to support your claim on whatever uh, agenda that you have, but it doesn't make it true. And it's scary because Mm. if you see that God's word, like by definition, God's word is truth. You may take this verse in Luke chapter four, verse 11 and say, oh, it's right. It's the truth. And, you know, somebody might look at this verse and say, if you do jump off, the angels will guard Mm. you carefully. Is that really wrong? It doesn't sound wrong because it's in the Bible. But what really matters is the overall understanding of the entirety of God's word. Taking one verse and quoting it does Mm, not make it truth. It's the entire Bible and God himself that is truth. So we have to understand that lies come in very, very deceitful ways, even in the form of God's word. And I think this is why, um, Ray, you brought this up, right? Luke chapter four, It's, it's a very good example of how subtle a lie can be.
0: And, you know, guys, even now, like in our days, I remember Ray was telling us like that story about like the serpent and how Mm. those things happen (laughs) in our churches right Mm -hmm. now, too.
1: What is that? um, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, talking about how um, I've given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions. And yeah, and there were people that actually brought snakes into church, taking that Mm -hmm. that verse literally. Yeah,
2: And Mm -hmm. we had another case here in South Korea where a pastor and his wife beat his kids to death based on a verse that they read in the book of psalm which said if you chastise your children they will be healed and it's scary how Mm. you can take a verse which seemingly is truth but it's not because you don't understand the entirety of the bible cc you said at the very beginning truth may hurt a little while but the lie hurts forever if i'm quoting that correctly a lie is fatal that's how I would quote it. As TJ, I would quote <laughs> <it>. <laughs> A lie...
0: TJ is redoing... Remaking his own quote here. <laughs> mm. It's really dangerous. Mm.
2: Yes, we have to be aware that... Um, a lie is very subtle because it comes in the form of God's word. And that's why we need to know God's word very carefully and correctly. But I want to mention another yeah. point regarding a lie. Okay, a lot of people consider that a lie has something to do with your intention. A lot of people think that a lie is committed with evil intention, but that's not necessarily the case. And I wanna show you by talking about Eve, going back to Eve in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent deceived Eve, it's very apparent that the serpent had malicious intent. But what about Eve when she gave the fruit Mm -hmm. to Adam? Did she have ill intent towards Adam? Or did she simply believe the lie? And relay it to Adam, with good intent.
0: The second option, because being I don't want to say his wife, because it's he, not how he <laughs> took it was put in the Bible, but being right. in the person next Adam, I don't see her willingly mm. wanted to like hurt him or bring bad things to him. So I guess when she she mm-hmm. went to him and presented. To him, that fruit Mm -hmm. that was really pleasing to her Mm -hmm. eye, and after hearing as well what the serpent told, he he make it even like more pleasing. So because of that, I guess her intent was to really also share that pleasing thing with Adam. Simply put, right,
2: and she probably thought that it was something good that she was doing, Mm -hmm. and you know, regardless. It has nothing to do with her intention. A lie is really based on the result. Eve did ultimately lie. She relayed the lie to Adam. And that's why Jesus says, If a blind leads a blind, they will both fall into a pit. If you don't have correct understanding of God's word, the truth, you are blind to the truth. And if you believe what you believe to be truth and lead other people with that self-proclaimed truth, then you will both end up in a pit, which is an expression for hell in the Bible. So it's very dangerous. And we have mm. to understand, as we said multiple times, lying has nothing to do with your intention. Let's remember that. I think we've well defined what a lie is according to the Bible. And I feel like CC is now going to say, so what are examples? What are some examples? <laughs> oh, oh but, but then again, we already covered them, right? Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> No, we're good, right?
0: Mm. No, we are still not good.
2: Alright. Lying up? Okay, okay. to lie a little bit deeper. Because once, I, I had this friend who was a missionary give me an example. He said, if you have a glass of water, pure glass of water, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can drink this probably, yeah? It's good, it's water, it gives yeah. you life. What if you add one drop of poison into that glass of water? It's only one drop. Is it still water?
0: Mm. It still looks like good water. point.
2: It still looks like water. But can we say it's water? Because if you say it's water, you're gonna have to drink it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. It is not water. I don't want to drink something with one percent of poison inside. Poison is very hmm. is very dangerous. Yeah. Even if it's just one like percent. Mm-hmm.
2: It's still a lot. And the same goes for God's word in the sense that you may have God's truth, which is holy. But if you even add a single drop of your own thoughts, man's thought into God's word, is that still the truth? It's not. not It is no longer the truth. It has been tainted. That is why the fruit that we see in the Garden of Eden is not called the tree of death, the tree (laughs) of evil. It's called Mm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's mixed. And people think that this is somehow good, but it's not. There should only be good, but now it's tainted and therefore is no longer the truth. It's no longer good. That's why we have to remember that even a drop of a lie within truth taints the truth.
0: Okay, so now that we know what is a truth and what is a lie, We can dive even more into the subject because when we take a look back in the Bible at the time of the first coming, when Jesus came, he said things that were very refreshing, if I can put it that way, very refreshing. (laughs) To
2: say the least, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Refreshing Mm -hmm. in the sense where the people at that time never heard someone speaking like that. And because of Mm -hmm. that, it was refreshing.
2: Or controversial. Yeah,
0: controversial (laughs) as well. Thank you. Mm. So coming back to uh, what I was saying, when Jesus came in the time of the first coming, he self-proclaimed himself as being the truth. And when he said that he was the truth, he also called the teachers of the law at that time liars. Mm. So Mm. this is something that we can also think about. Because those teachers of the law were the ultimate representative of the people that we call modern days pastor or priest or whatever. The people that are there to give the word to God's people. But Jesus still called them liars and said that he was the truth. So why would Jesus say that? Why Jesus will call himself the truth? And why would he call the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, liars?
2: Take number one. Why was Jesus the truth? (laughs) Yes. And this is simple. If you understand what truth is, as we explained, Mm -hmm. Jesus possessed God's word. We see him saying that the words that I speak are not my own. Mm. They are given from my father. So we see that Jesus's words that he speaks are from the father. And we know that words of our father, God, is truth. Mm. Amen. So it's simple as that. Okay. What Jesus is preaching is truth because he's speaking God's word, whereas it gets a little bit complicated from here. Teachers of the law, Pharisees, Sadducees, mm. what did they teach? What book did they read?
0: The commandments.
2: <laughs> the commandments. The exactly. law of Moses. Yeah. law of Moses. Mm. Is that not God's word as well? It is. Then it's weird. It's a contradiction. Mm. It's also a dilemma. Why is Jesus the truth? Well, because he has God's word. But these people also have god's word as well if you listen carefully about what we said about lies (laughs) you will understand why these people were deemed liars by jesus Mm -hmm. now let's take a step back and look at the historical background as to how these different denominations came to surface okay Mm. after malachi the last prophet in the old testament there were no more prophets before jesus Mm. So between Malachi and Jesus, there were 400 years. Yeah, And during that time, new denominations started to surface. And the fact that you have different denominations is evidence to the fact that people had different interpretations of the scripture. Therefore, you have Pharisees and you have Sadducees. And it says clearly in the Bible that Sadducees did not believe in what? Did not believe in resurrection. Mm. And you see Pharisees and Sadducees arguing with each other regarding (laughs) scripture. So all those denominations were created essentially by man's interpretation and man's teaching of God's word. Can we say that that interpretation is 100% truth? As we said, if you add a drop of poison or drop of any other thing that is not water into water... That glass is no longer pure water. Mm. Wow, I said
1: water a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I think you understand the point. It also brings back up what we were talking about earlier in in regard to Lai's intention. Because the Pharisees Mm -hmm. and teachers of of the law, in in their own eyes, they were following Scripture to a T. In their own eyes. And we talked about, yes, they had different beliefs, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But to them... They thought that they were doing and following God's word the way it's supposed to be. It it connects really well when we were talking about intention because despite what they might have thought, in actuality, all they were doing was living out and propagating lies. And by doing so, preventing others from receiving truth, which is exactly what Jesus had. So Jesus came to shine light on what truth is. Mm.
2: If they accepted Jesus's words, then that's fine. But what ended up being a problem is the fact that they did not accept it, and they stuck to their own teachings. Mm -hmm. This is where it becomes a problem. Now, what's important to know here, or ask ourselves, is before Jesus came, what was the truth? Before Jesus came and the Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, and other denominations were there, where was the truth? It is only when Jesus came that there was a set standard of what truth is, and that divided the truth and the lies this is what we need to remember Uh,
1: you know it's really interesting because when we look at the state of the jewish faith at that time that 400 year period where all of these denominations were created with all these different thoughts about how you should and should not follow scripture it's very similar to the time that we live in now for example we have presbyterians methodists baptists right and So many different other denominations within Christianity alone. For example, Presbyterians believe in predestination, Mm -hmm. right? And Methodists don't believe in that. It's the same situation, as you said, Ray. We
2: have one Bible, Mm. and yet we have hundreds of denominations. We follow one God, but there are multiple teachings about God. That's what the number of denominations tell us.
0: It's funny that you brought this up, TJ, because in Ephesians 4, chapter 4, like verse 3 and onwards, he said that. Let's take a moment and read what he said there, starting from verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all, who is over all mm. and through all and in all. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: I have to ask a question yes. after hearing that verse. Is the world of Christianity, as we see it today, united?
0: I don't think so. <laughs> no,
2: no. The is fact that we have multiple denominations is evidence to the fact that we are not united. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it tells us that we should consider history as warnings for us. 2,000 years ago, we had multiple denominations in the Jewish faith. When Jesus came, he said that they were all lies. What would Jesus say when he comes back and looks at all these denominations? Where do we learn the truth now? How are we able to learn the truth in this day and age? As Christians, this is the question that should always be coming up in our minds. Where is truth? And how do I learn truth in this day and age in Christianity? And if you don't have the answer now is the time to start looking
0: putting ourselves uh, in the shoes of the believer the regular believer not the uh, teachers of the law mm-hmm. or the priest or the pastor whatever just a regular believer a person like mm-hmm. me like ray tj that believe genuinely in god and we are being put in front of all those denomination in front of our eyes and we need to choose mm-hmm. where to go mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Yeah. so many options. Mm,
0: What to believe? At the end of the day, the question that I really want us to ask ourselves, really our choices like based on the truth, what is written in the Bible, or it just based on like preferences, what is more comfortable for us, what is Mm. pleasing Mm. to us. Wow. Because thinking back, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desire, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what the itching ears want to hear. So thinking about this verse and the multiple like choice, you feel a multiple <laughs> questionnaire that I need to the right mm-hmm. box. But being put in those shoes is really hard to discern where to go and what to believe and to yes. have certainty if that choice is the right one or not. Or if I'm just choosing that denomination or that belief because it's easier for me or comfortable for me or whatever to reason. I guess this is something that all of us we really should think about.
1: So today we talked about truth and what is truth? Well John 17 17 lets us know that God's word is truth. God is truth and so what is a lie? A lie is anything that is opposite of God. The question we have from here is how do we discern what is truth or whether it's a lie? One thing that we really need to remember is that a lie isn't based on intention. You can have the best intentions and still be giving out lies. Or like the example of the serpent with Eve, your intention can be evil. Because just like the example that TJ used earlier, that glass of water, it's 100% water until that 1% drop. Is put into it of poison. Then what does it become then? It still looks like it's good to drink, but it's still poison. So we can't judge just on appearance or even just from how the words sound to us. Just because someone is speaking a verse from the Bible, it doesn't mean that they're using it the way that God intended. It. So if you have any mm-hmm. questions, if you have any comments about today's episode, please, as always, yeah. feel free to email us. Yes, please do. Yes, like subscribe share sharing is caring <laughs> and most importantly download yes download yes please and we will see you guys next time this is yeah. oh wow i get to do the, i get to, to do the outro this time wow this is great <laughs> so <laughs> you have been listening to reconnect uh this has been ray and I'm TJ
0: and CC here.
1: <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> and, we'll, All right. and we'll see you guys on our next episode. Yes. All right. bye, Thank bye you for bye, guys. bye bye. Bye bye.